And I was told when I do this class to, to do this differently in this sense that they wanted to know the minds of the shepherds, the hearts of the shepherds, and how we think about things and how we make application of God's Word in our life. So that's what I'm going to try to do. <clears throat> and, you know, we... I've, I've been told that females uh, mature sooner, girls, than us boys. Because when I was y'all's age, sitting in this building, uh, yeah, it, it, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Coming to worship was important. But how important, I didn't really realize. And where God's word and what it means to me uh, at that time was not as applicable, I guess you might say, uh, as it was later on in my life. Now, when, I don't know exactly, but I do remember <clears throat> after Sean was born that uh, I really started to thinking about more so about application of God's Word. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying there, but my point is that I told somebody here a few months ago, sometime later in your life, this will all make sense to you. Being here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, Bible studies, devotionals, and not that it doesn't make sense to you now, but as you grow older and get more mature, then you'll see the, the purpose to explain that, I, <clears throat> this building was built in 1982. And one of the men of the congregation pointed out these handrails right here and used the word hideous. And said, I don't understand why they make these little bitty short things and didn't like it and thought it didn't look good in the building. About 30 years later, he started up to the podium and walks over here grabbed a hold of it, and he realized the value of it. You get my point? <clears throat> we have a purpose. And you know the story, or you know the Bible, what it says about God creating us, the creation. <laughs> And I'm not going to go through all of that, but <clears throat> there's a whole lot more to the creation than what man knows. Back about 40 years ago, I was in a planetarium looking at a video of uh, back then what the, the most advanced telescopes would show. And in that... It was uh, very well done, the movie was, or the show. And the uh, person doing the speaking at the event, he carried us through every step and talked about what was made billions of years ago and millions of years ago and the purpose part and this star and that planet and so-and-so and so-and-so and galaxies. And then as he carried you through it all of a sudden got black. And, he, and his comment was, that is the end of creation. This was, see how many part of that's 60 years ago. <laughs> he said, that's the end of creation. Now you see that dust, the little particles that were showing at this telescope that they had, said that's evidence of the Big Bang. But that's the end of creation. That's it. Nothing else. And I'm thinking about and talking to Joe, I believe it was Galileo, and he the one that said he counted the stars and there was only 10,000 because that's all he could see. That's as far as he could see. Well, now our new advancement in telescopes shows that there are much more there's much more out there in the stars and the planets and 
even this latest uh, telescope out there shows other galaxies being consumed by other galaxies coming together. Nobody understands that. They don't understand that. Just like 40, 50, 60 years ago, that individual did not understand all he, all he knew is what he knew in that period of time. So I relate that back to me as I was growing up and my level of knowledge and understanding of God's Word and how you make it apply to your life on a daily basis. You with me? You understand what I'm talking about? As you become more knowledgeable, as you gain understanding, then things make more sense to you. And you see how to make the proper application of that to your life on a daily basis. And that's very important. And we're told in Genesis, <clears throat> the first day what God did. And I've heard a lot of excerpts on this from scientists. And the second day what he did. But just in those few, what are they? 31 verses in that first chapter. Really about the first uh, 24 <clears throat> deals with making the creation. And what all he went through to do that, we don't know. We don't have the slightest idea. We're learning stuff more and more and more. The more I see and understand about uh, plant life, animal life, uh, and the more I talk to people like Sean or Brent and when explaining cardiovascular or something, or as Sean, I remember when he was in vet school, he called me one day. They had just finished a study <coughs> of the uh, muscles and legs and ligaments of a horse. I believe it was the front leg or back leg or something like that. And the detail of what it takes to make that thing work like it works. And he was explaining to me, I think I'm right now, but correct me. There's some way or another that that horse, when he goes to sleep, he just locks himself in position. And I don't, don't know what makes that happen or whatever. But his point was, Dad, when you understand the details of things like that, how can you not believe there was a God that made it? Or the great American pulver, it's a bird, that flies from New England down to Africa on a full body of gas energy, and they've studied these to how much energy is in his body, how long it takes him to get there, and how much energy is left in his body, and he goes to the same place year after year after year. And he has the same amount of energy when he gets there. So God in his intricacies of how he made animal life and how he made his creation is tremendous. And it's mind-boggling. But the more we learn about those things personally, the more I learn about them, the more I have a deeper appreciation for God. Okay? So when it gets to <clears throat> us, you know, God made man, made Adam and Eve. Of course, you know how he made Adam. He blew into his nostrils the breath of life. Hmm. Now Eve, of course, he took that rib from his side. And women's been a pain in the rib for men all, ever since. <clears throat> but then the third person that he made, he put a spirit in it. Now, I don't understand that either. 
Think, just think about it. Think, wait a minute. The body, this body is not worth anything. What, $1.95 or some amount like that? But what makes the body worth anything, what makes you and I worth anything is the spirit that's in us. Why do we call God our Father? Why? Because we came from Him. Hmm? Because we came from Him. We came from Him. We're produced of Him. We're offspring. He's our offspring because of that Spirit. Now, here again, I don't understand that. But I have faith enough to, to know that the Spirit in this body came from God. At some point in time, He put that Spirit in this body from the time of conception or whatever until it was born. Now, when, I don't, I don't know that. There's some <clears throat> hints that even before birth, for example, you remember John the Baptist? Uh, what was she, six months pregnant? Elizabeth, and when Mary came to her and told her about the birth of Jesus and he leaped, that tells you that there's life there. Uh, so when you when you direct, when you really stop and think about the spirit in my body came from God, and He made that and put that spirit in that body. I told a lady here a while back had a, another great granddaughter, <clears throat> and it was just a few days old, and stood there and looked at it, and I said. Just think, last week this spirit was with God and now it's come down from heaven to here on this earth. Think about that a minute. A lot of value there. When you really get down and think about it. And God knows everything physical and mental about this body. Everything. Because he made it. And in that light, and you can probably identify with this. <clears throat> Here again, I don't get too personal about the thing, but before John was born, I wanted to build a cradle, which I did, and I didn't know anything about woodworking. Didn't have any woodworking tools, but up there in that shop, I just had a handsaw and a file and a hacksaw and a drill, a hand drill. And I made that thing using those tools and not a screw in it. Everything's dialed and glued together. It took me a while to do it because I'm, just, I'm not geared to do that kind of stuff. But I know every little bitty thing about that. Everything. It's not perfect. You look at it, though, you won't find it. But there's a missed bill somewhere on it. And I know where it is. You see what I'm talking about? Because I made it. God made you. He knows everything about you more than you do. And we've got, we've got, I want to look at me and my life from that detail. Why? What does that do? Well, it makes God more real to me. Right? If you look at it to that level, God's more real. <clears throat> There's, according to what I read, 385,000 people in the world born each day. So with that many people born every day, God knows every one of them. He's intimate with each and every one. And there's seven, nearly eight billion of us on earth, so I'm told. And he knows each one of us in detail. And not, not, a, not one spirit 
comes out of a body that God doesn't know about it. And he tells us that in, uh, where? Did not a sparrow fall from there that he doesn't know about? And aren't we much more valuable than they? Of course, he's talking about supplying us and taking care of us. But that shows again the intricate detail in God's knowledge concerning us. <clears throat> you know, we're not an accident. Not one of those 380 some odd thousand, if that's a good number or not. When man decides, a man and woman decides to produce a person, of course that happens obviously by God's plan, but not one of them is an accidental birth. Not a one. God made a spirit and put in that body. 380 some odd thousand a, year, a day that he puts in bodies. So what difference does that make? What's When I think in that, what, what's happening in my mind? What's happening in my mind is God gets bigger and bigger and bigger. See, I'm talking about more real. <clears throat> There's no such thing as an accidental birth in that sense. Then you ask the question, okay, why? What's the purpose? Why all that? God just do it just because he can? Well, in Scripture, we have story on story on story of the people in the Bible that God, I'm going to use the word, used to accomplish his purpose. Right? And these are just a few of things that happen. <clears throat> a story about Abraham. A story about Noah. Adam. Samson. Baal. Paul. Mary. Just, just name them all. He's just bringing those to us to, to learn from it. He's showing us some examples of things, right? So over and over, he tells us about these stories, one on another. Now, the, the point gets down to, what about me? What's my purpose? Where do I fit in there? He tells us in Ecclesiastes the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. Right? That's, that's what my job is to be. Is to fear God to keep his commandments. Now, in that terminology, to fear God says that I have to have respect recognition of his existence and love from the standpoint that I obey what he what he tells me to do. And I get that from God's word. So when I look at that and I think <clears throat> well let me just turn to Acts 17. You remember <coughs> When, uh, when I believe Paul was in Troas, and he had to escape Troas, and they sent him down to Athens, Greece. And while he was down there, he was waiting on the others to come later. And uh, let me say it this way. He was walking around the garden, and he was looking at all these different statues of things. 
And these statues represented certain gods that they had made. And Paul smoked a pipe. And he's from England. And he had that little check cap on. You get the picture. <laughs> Very astute. No, not really, but anyway. And as he's considering these different idols and things of that nature, the people came to him and started talking to him. Or he went into the synagogue every day and talked to them. <clears throat> Finally, they invited him into what they call the Areopagus to explain a little more detail to these individuals what, what you've been talking about the last several days. We want to hear more about this. So he went in and spoke to them, and he said, as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, <clears throat> I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I'm proclaiming him to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of the heavens and the earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with man's hands as though he needs anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Now, just in those statements, when you... This is the way I think about things. <clears throat> and God who made the world and everything in it, and I just start thinking about what that entails. Made the world and everything in it. I think about the little detail, little bugs and little worms, <laughs> the little plants. And he made every one of them. So when I when I here again, when I think of things in that detail, or I'm sitting there looking at a wasp, and I see what he does, and knowing that God made that wasp. And he flew in there and sat down, and then all of a sudden, I, guess I see it's a wasp, I don't know what it was, and he turns three times, stops, and then moves and positions himself, and he takes off. You see what I'm talking about? God put that there. God made that like that. Why? Now, what I understand is they, they do that to get directions. And they have a magnet in their head. Now, this is something I read. They've got a magnet in their head that zeroes in on where the north is. And the, the turning of it, and bees do the same thing, so I understand, is how many times they turn around tells the rest of them how far it is where he's going. I don't know. But here again, my point, it just, just makes God that much bigger. That much bigger. Every little thing. So when he says that God made everything, and you look at it with that level, and then he makes a point, nor is he worshipped with man's hand as though he needed anything. Where does that put me in that respect? Since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood <clears throat> every nation of man to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed time.
follow me? And he determined their pre-appointed time. Made one nation dwell on the earth. And he also determined the boundaries of the habitation. I read that and I'm thinking, what does that mean to me? This great, wonderful, glorious God. He made me, he put a spirit in this body in this period of time for me to dwell right here. Okay. He predetermined that. That's where this spirit was going. Now don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean that we're getting into the Calvinism and all this kind of stuff. And that, that's another subject. Sometimes I think that, well, I'm not getting into that. <clears throat> Let me finish what he was saying. And the reason was so that they, each one of you, each one of me, should seek the Lord. Seek. That means what we must do is hunt for him, look for him. Wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, that's my purpose, is to seek him. And obviously, I do that through his word, that they, me, might grope for him. That means I want to find him. I want to know more about him. I want to determine my purpose of existence. When he says to fear God, keep his commandments, the whole duty of man. What, what's involved in that? What's the purpose? What's the point? And, and find him, though he is not very far from each one of us. Not as though he's hiding, because you can find him. Now then this next verse, 28. <clears throat> For in him we live. We move. And we have our very being. We live. We have our very being. My very existence is dependent on him. To what detail? I don't know. I just know that everything that he made that's in this human body, in your human body, all of our human bodies, and medical people, uh, are learning more and more. And I was impressed with uh, Buddy Payne the last time we was here, and he, he was making a speech, and I was sitting right over there. And he said one of the latest discoveries, if I understood him right, was was it another cell in a cell, or it was something in the cell that they had found, and this little thing is in that cell just doing this way, just to spin it. And they didn't understand what it's for. They don't know what it does. But they can stop it by, I'm going to say, sticking a needle in it, although this thing is so small that a pinpoint of a needle won't touch it. But whatever instrument they used, they, they touched it and it stopped. And they couldn't get it going again. Now, I use that to exemplify the minuteness of our body. Now, what that does in the body, I don't know. What effect it has, I don't know. They don't either. But as time goes and we learn more and more and more and more, 
to our advantage. But here again, that tells me the that little detail about the greatness of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know what I'm trying? The whole point is to make God real on a daily basis of everything. Because that's what he says, in whom we live and move and have our very existence. Psalms 103, I think. I think it's 103.3. says that he heals our diseases. Have you ever woke up during the night and just sweated all over? You're just covered with sweat. They tell me that what that is is a fever that went through your body that killed something in your body. That means he's working, your body is working to heal itself and God's doing that. Right? God's doing that. What difference does this make? That a discussion like that, what's the point? What's the purpose? It makes me have a greater appreciation and a greater understanding. Each one of these little things just makes, to me, makes God bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's my whole point. <clears throat> For in him we live and move and have a very being, as also some of our own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. We come from him. So therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature, now this is another point, that the divine nature, divine nature is not like material things. It's not like gold, it's not like silver, it's not like stone or something shaped by man. Now to, to me that's heavy because everything I have reference to is physical. I reference things physically. But the intricate details of what that's talking about here again, when I think of it, I just, and just God just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay. So what? What difference? How do I use that? What do I do with it? Okay, since he's made this body and this spirit, and here I am in this period of time, 1940 to 1980, I mean, 22. So what? <laughs> what's, what's the purpose? To live for God, obviously. But then again, I look in... Example after example after example. And I see things like uh, Esther. Uh, you, are, you remember that story? Where, uh, without turning to it, reading it, uh, well, I believe... If you remember the situation about Esther, I'm sure you do, right? The Jews were all fixing to be killed, and Haman had come up with this plot, and the king didn't know about it, and Esther was the queen, and Mordecai, her uncle, cousin, what was he? Uncle, cousin, whatever he was, kin, huh? 
one of those. <coughs> told him, said, here, you know, here's the plot, and you need to go in and talk to him. Esther said, no, wait a minute. Mm-mm. You know that if the king holds his scepter out to you and you walk in, you know, you're free and clear to come in and talk to him. But if he doesn't hold that scepter out, you get the axe. <clears throat> and Mordecai told her, he said, it don't make any difference. You're going to die anyway. You know, if the king doesn't receive you, he's going to kill you. And if you don't go in and talk him out of let him know what Haman's got planned, he's going to find out eventually you're a Jew and kill you too. Now here's the, here's the thing he said. <clears throat> Yet, who knows, this is what Mordecai said, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Could it be? that that physical body, when God put that spirit in that body back in that period of time, he knew what was going to happen. We know those things, right? He knew before the foundation of the world that she was going to have a choice of what to do. She could go into that king and talk to him or not. Of course, we know the story. She went in and talked to him, right? And they changed everything. What does that mean to you, to me? How do I apply that? <clears throat> or another one. We just got through reading about Naaman, and he had leprosy, and they went to him and said, hey, there's a slave girl that we captured back some time ago. Said, uh, won't you go talk to her? And the slave girl told him about the prophet of God and what to do. What if that slave girl would? Uh, I'm not going to tell. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to do that. What if Noah, when God asked him to build an ark, he said, oh, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. And I can just go on and on. <clears throat> Jeremiah, God told him, said, I knew you. Think about this a minute. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knew Garrett before. He knew me. He knew where I was going to be and what period of time I was going to be. Do I have a purpose? Is there something that God wants me to do like he did Naaman or the, the servant girl and talking to her, talking to him? Or what about the blind man? You remember in Mark uh, chapter 9, I believe it was, and they went to him and said, hey, well, how come he's blind? Did he sin or his mother and daddy sin? And the answer was, neither. This is so that the glory of God could be revealed. Why, why do we know about Why Why does he put this in here? For what purpose? It's, it's not something that's necessary for my salvation. Right? I can understand why he said he that believes in the baptized shall be saved. Yeah, because I've got to be saved. But why put these stories in here? It's for me to learn, to see, and to know. That's, I got the idea that this boy was 38 years old. I might be wrong on that. But 
nevertheless, whatever his age was, <clears throat> he went all that time and his mother and daddy, and he went blind all those years and suffering through that for one thing, right? To glorify God. Did that boy know that? No. Not until, there's no evidence of it, not until he told him that this was done so that. Why did he put that hunk of flesh sitting right there on the earth? I don't know. But in the not knowing, your duty and obligation is to search for God, to read his word, to learn it, and understand it. Understand it to application. First Peter chapter 4 talks about, let me read it. This is something else that I got to think about the other day. And I can't remember, I think Harold's one of his lessons, and I, he quoted that. Uh, my previous friend. Yeah. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. In other words, what he said saying that, and also in First Corinthians 12, he talks about all the gifts. Now, of course, those were gifts that were, I'm going to say supernatural, but of the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, but <clears throat> he supplied each one of us with a gift of something. Now, and then later he says that, you know, we're not all the eye, we're not all the foot, we're not all the hand, we're not all the so-and-so, which suggests that your gift is different from mine. You have different capabilities. You've got different Opportunities. Uh, you're smarter than I am, or whatever. For you to use whatever it is He gave you to use at the appropriate time, and you could either accept that or not accept it. Luke seventeen five says. Lord, increase our faith. When I read that, I'm thinking, increase my faith? What, what does that mean? I, I, yeah, I believe there's a God, and there's a Christ, and there's a Bible, and I understand all that. But to increase my faith into what? The older I get, the more I pray is increase my understanding. I'm convinced that our biggest problem is not knowledge. <clears throat> Y'all have gone through Bible classes enough, you've got enough knowledge. Now you're going to continue to get more knowledge as you get older if you continue to study. But with that knowledge, we've got to have understanding. Okay, and that's to me. That's what I'm doing here. Is I'm trying to understand some of the things that's being said for the purpose of application to my life each day. Increase my faith. Another personal example. <clears throat> Brent used to live up there in Wichita Falls. Most of you know that. And uh, a scamp took my daughter and carried him up there six hours away, kept him up there for 12 years and had birthed the grandsons that I wasn't able to be a part in. Sorry, scamp. <clears throat> of course, they worked to try to get back down here. But as his faith grew and Jennifer's faith grew, they knew that... Is, is that is that God's will or is it my will and not going into the whole story but 
circumstances ended up, which, I mean, it's a beautiful story, if you hadn't told it. Uh, he called me one day and he said, Pop, uh, what do I do? And I said, well, go ask your father. I've done that. Now what do I do? I said, well, this is profound. Faith is knowing that you don't know. Right, Todd? Think about it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence not seen. My country boy definition of that is faith is knowing you just don't know. Okay, so I just don't know. Do I move back to Lufkin with my family or not? With every other principle that God gives us, <clears throat> we apply that to every part of our life, whatever. And we know that we're following his principles. Whatever decision you have to make, when I say that, at Charles' age, number one, when you get out of high school, do I go to college? If I do, where do I go? What do I study? Include God in that. Ask him. Give me direction. Give me guidance. If it gets to a marriage situation, and this, this is personal to me, but I've prayed that prayer so many times, tell me what to do, tell me what to do, tell me what to do. Do I or do I not? Some of you know my situation, some don't. But just personal and marrying Fern. I didn't, I, I did I didn't go after that. I, that's not something I was dog it gonna go try to do. Uh uh. No. My prayer to God was constantly, constantly, if that's what you want me to do, then make it happen. If that's what you want me to do, make it happen. But even at that, I didn't know. So my suggestion to Todd, Brent, and my, what I do now is this. When I'm thinking about something of that nature, I'll tell him what I, what I think. I even tell him what I want to do. Okay? But then I say, when I make my mind up what I'm going to do, then I say, God, here's what I'm going to do. If this is not what you want me to do, don't let it happen. Will that work? Don't let it happen. And then I go and do whatever it is I plan to do. Does that mean everything's going to be just exactly the way I got it planned out? No. But what I did was in faith. One day I was sitting on the porch <clears throat> and got a little toddler. And I, I, I put this in, in, in this reference. <clears throat> Here I am, this little toddler, and I'm walking around on that porch. You know, I got a mission to, and I go here to the edge of the porch, and I don't know the dangers. And so then the father walks over there, and he doesn't control the kid, but he just walks in there and stands in front of him to where he won't walk off the porch. You might see what I'm talking about. And then Little kid goes on, does something else, does something else, and then he walks over here and keeps him from getting into this. You get the picture? That's how God does me, you know, in making those decisions in life. Does that, that mean anything to you? That makes sense. <laughs> That's what I had prepared. I'm through. Any comments? Good. <laughs>
Anybody have anything, questions or comments or whatever? We need to understand God is a spirit. When he gives the flesh a spirit, that's what connects us to him when we pray. That's why we need to believe on him, because at the beginning he created to us and the image way he created everything. But in us, he has a purpose to follow by the Spirit. When we pray, we need to go through him, believe it, believe it. <coughs> That's the only thing to connect to the Lord. Pray with all to understand is the Lord. When we pray with all, He listens to us because He is my King. He created me to follow Him because He is my Lord. And we say, Come your kingdom, come your kingdom because I'm a believer of Him. He owns me and I need to follow Him. That's what I understand. Okay. Pray together. <clears throat> our Father and our God, we as your children, we gather together at times like this to discuss your word. <clears throat> and we pray, Father, that as we do so, that with a pure heart, that you'll give us guidance and direction, that you'll lead our thought processes. And that as we gain knowledge and understanding, we pray, Father, that you'll give us the wisdom to carry these things out in our life on a daily basis. Our prayer is that you'd be pleased with us in what we do in serving you, that we show our love for you through our obedience. So we ask you to direct us in that effort. We know that times that we don't do the things we ought to do, so we ask you to forgive us of those sins. Increase our wisdom so that we'll be better pleasing to you is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.